and the scene opens in the city of Amber Reach. We see Cade Thorngage, who just left the docks, and he's walked down and further and further away from the docks into a seedier and darker part of town. And now he stands before an unassuming door. Cade takes one last look up at the uh, at the sign that's flapping in the sea breeze. It reads the the broken mug. Uh, a gall sits on top of the on top of the the sign, calling as it looks down at him. He smiles at the gall, thinking, "Yeah, me too, buddy." As he reaches down and and uh, one last time checks to see that the large sack, uh, heavy large sack of gold, is still hanging at his at a, attached to his belt. Cade smiles and uh, kicks some of the the the, uh, the street muck from his boots and and s- shakes the dust from his from his jacket and uh, looks up at the gall and kind of gives him a salute and uh, suppresses a smile as he knows his journey is just about to come to a close and he pushes open the door. So the door on your left half breaks, the top hinge snaps and the door just walks off and, and almost slaps you in the head as you walk past. You're in the dingiest of dive bars from a life of visiting dingy dive bars. There are not even actual tables in this tavern, if you want to call it that. There are a bunch of crates and boxes, obviously commandeered from the from the docks nearby, and they're set up in a very makeshift pattern. Uh, there's only two patrons in the, the establishment that you can see. They're both in the far back against a blank, white, grimy-covered black back wall. Uh, they appear to either be dead or in the throes of some sort of drunken stupor or maybe even drug-addled stupor as they're sort of leaning across each other. And the one you can see best has his mouth wide open and there's clearly like drool just sort of dripping down from his open mouth. On the right side of the room, there is a bar, which is little more than a long piece of wood up on top of a couple other crates. There's a small shelf behind the elderly gentleman there who is absently wiping down the top of the bar. He doesn't even pay you full mind when the door opens. He just sort of crosswise out of the left side of his eyes, gazes towards you, and then continues to about his duties. He, he Cade steps through the door and, and you know, holding the piece of it in, in his hand, he looks down at that and then back up and, and takes the room in in a slow kind of to say, what the hell? Um, he actually steps back outside and, and looks up one more time. Um, the gall kind of cocks his head and goes, Arr-ha. <laughs> and, and he Kate will shake his head again and just walk through this time pushing you know gingerly pushing the door out of his way and walking up towards the bar um he'll approach the the barman and kind of clamber up on on top of one of one of the boxes all right so most dive bars that you've been in the bartenders are pretty excited to see patrons especially in a place this um, dower, you think he would be more interested in serving you. He doesn't seem to be paying you a lot of mind. So there aren't actual stools. It's just crates. So mm-hmm. you can find one that's a little shorter, a little easier for you to scramble up on. And you find yourself sitting at the bar, but your chin is just above the bar level. So, uh, you know, um, I think Sarah told me I was, this was the place to come if I was looking for something a little more lively and exciting. So at the at the name of Sarah, he he turns his gaze towards you and he doesn't say or do anything else. He just sort of shuffles sideways. So now he's in front of you. 
and he continues to be sort of just rubbing the bar in front of you as if there's a spot there that he can differentiate between all the other spots on the bar. Kate will kind of, you know, give him a, you know, kind of like, uh uh-huh. and and he'll drop a a gold dragon on the bar. So the uh, the hand wiping continues, and, and deftly, more deftly than you would have imagined for a man this old, the gold coin gets swallowed up by his dirty rag, and then almost like a magician, he pulls the rag off the edge of the bar, nothing falls, and it's it's just gone. He moves his foot, or you can sort of tell that he's moving his foot slightly, slightly. there's like a scuff, and then you hear a click, and then there's another sort of rejoining click to your left where that back wall would be. So as you turn your gaze that way, the first thing you notice is that the two men who were in the stupor before appear to be putting weapons away. They are not quite as debilitated as they would have let you believe. They replace what appears to be daggers back into their clothes, and then they sort of resume that pose they were in. And you also notice sort of a an outline of a door now amongst the grime of that bare back wall. Thanks, friend. Kate will say as he scampers down off the stool and he'll uh, straighten his jacket again and, and walk over towards that um, towards that outline. As he gets closer to it, he, he reaches into the sli- the opposite sleeve of his coat and pulls out two more coins and, and tosses them over towards the two um, the two former drunks who were resuming their positions and presses through. Right, so yeah, it, it's a like a secret door. Now that it's been unlatched, it, it pushes open on unseen hinges. They make no noise. These are well cared for hinges, despite the grimy in exterior of that door. Uh, you find yourself in a, in a tight, even for your size, a tight hallway that, for no apparent reason, does a bunch of zigzags. It goes left and right every five feet, uh, several times, and just sort of casually looking around, you're pretty sure you see. Um, holes in the wall at various heights that if an intruder were to have come through this hallway without welcome, very likely they would not have made it all the way through. Uh, Once you clear that, it opens back up and there's like a 10-foot hallway. And then this is where things get a little strange. There is a door that absolutely does not belong, not only necessarily in this bar, but in this town. It is a thick golden oak been sanded and varnished to a, to a pristine shine. It has intricate scroll work all within it. And there's actually um, this like filigree uh, within it as well. I mean, it's just beautiful. But the thing that actually draws your eyes first are the hinges. You can clearly see that these hinges are made of dark iron. Dark iron hinges. Wow. Definitely said this place had coin thinks to himself as as he approaches the door. There's no one outside the door, right? Uh, No, there's no one outside the door. Is there a knocker or anything like that on the door? Uh, Not that you can see, but there's a lot of intricate decoration and scroll Mm -hmm. work, so it's possible that it's there, and it's just not obvious. (laughs) He just doesn't see it. All right. Um, Spend a couple seconds looking at the door just quickly to, you know, make sure there wasn't one, and and obviously are cognizant of the fact that there are, if he takes too long, or, you know, he may be murdered from one of the hidden murder holes. He will um, knock on the door. All right. So you knock, and uh, above you, probably about the five, six foot height mark, a like a sliding door, which you can you couldn't have even told told that it was there, slides open, and there's about 
a five second delay and then it closes back. Used to this being a halfling in a much larger person's world, he will knock again. So this time there's a, a similar door that slides across. This one's now your height and you see a very dark skinned, uh, just just tanned, not naturally dark, but a tanned skinned male, a very short, almost like a military style haircut. Face has got a couple scars across his nose. He clearly is someone that has fought uh, at some point in the past. You do know that the gladiatorial arenas within Amber Reach were disbanded a few years ago, and many of the gladiators have, have won to, to other opportunities, bodyguarding among them. And he just sort of stares at you. He doesn't say anything. Spellbound, please. The door sh- shuts quickly, just as quick as it did before. But there is also then the, a latch that turns. You hear like a bar being slid over. There's a chain being dropped. There's another latch. And then there's two more latches. And then finally the door swings open. And you are immediately hit with the smell of fine cigars, the laughter and talking and the clinking of drinks and mugs. You have definitely entered a very well-kept establishment. As the the door is being opened from the multitude of locks, he thinks to himself about how difficult that would be to pick and if he would if he would ever have to for for some for some reason just trying to uh, thinking listening to the locks you know twisting like oh it's a, uh, maybe a, a tumble lock here a pin over here uh, i don't know if i get through that so uh, as you're thinking that you you turn your gaze back to the door you know to see all the different mechanisms that had it secured and a couple of things catch your eye one the human that was there just massive easily six and a half feet tall ripple muscles scarred all over the place. So clearly a former gladiator. Uh, He has a row of weapons right by the door. They're all spears. He does have a a short sword on his hip as well. And you can see just the barest outline of what probably is a secret door on the other side of the hallway, which is probably what what let him into those secret alcoves into the murder holes that you passed by before. Whether there's people in them now, you don't know. But your gaze is brought to the front as you walk into Spellbound. It is a elite, hidden, upper-crust gambling den in the foul reaches of Amber Reach. You, uh, you have spent lots of coin and probably, what, I don't know, what, years at this point? I'd say so. Looking for this place. Uh, so as you walk into the left, that's where all the gambling has taken place. You can see several men and women mostly human, uh, these not quite as buff as the one you passed. They're behind these tables just filled with people of all different types, humans, dwarves, halflings, no elves. Pity. Yeah, they're playing games like Dragon Dice, uh, Chimera's Fortune. They're playing a game of some kind of dice game that you've actually never seen before, which does catch your eye a little bit. Uh, There's one table of some very loud folk who are probably playing Medusa's Gamble. They're actually holding the cards up to their head, so that other people can see their cards. You're about to turn your gaze away from the gambling den, because that's not really what you're here for. But the clattering of the dragon egg as it spins along its wheel looking for its home, that sort of catches you just for a second. And then you see something very strange, something you haven't seen for a very, very long time. There's a, a halfling at that table. He's standing on a stool, just immaculately dressed, uh, got some rings on, uh, not gaudy, but clearly wealth. And most importantly, he has both of his ears uncut. Huh. Cade thinks to himself, I can't remember the last time I saw a halfling that had both his ears. 
Well, I guess there was that one guy in Jesser's reach. Like the elves, what'd they do to him? Hang him? No, was he was he drawn and quartered? I don't remember. Very oh. likely both. Oh, hanged and drawn and quartered. Hanged and drawn and quartered. And burned? In this world, all halflings have their ears bobbed at birth. And you either have to be rich, brave, stupid, or all three to have that not done, find a way to, to change it, or have a very wealthy family that can keep you hidden. Uh, you can also see the elegance with which the place was built. It's, you know, that deep uh, oak and wood. There's mahogany. There's crystalline chandeliers that you think might actually be made of crystal. There are small statues throughout the room that are either gold or gold-plated. Uh, there are also more pieces of dark iron spread throughout, and clearly this is a place of opulence. To the right is the bar, the actual bar this time, a huge mahogany bar. Uh, there's two other big sort of buffy guys behind it. Uh, there's just row after row of drinks, including some elven selections. Uh, they may be assholes, but they know their wine. Uh, also, dwarven ales, mugs, ciders, pretty much anything you could think of they probably have. But that is not what draws your eyes either. What you are drawn to is above the bar, hanging on the, the wall, close to the ceiling actually, is what appears to be a framed piece of cloth. And whatever was written on the cloth or whatever it depicted is faded, but it does look like it might have been like signed by someone. There's like clear dark lettering kind of at the bottom right, like a scrawl. And that is what has brought you here. So you start to make your way to, towards the bar, and then that's where you also see uh, one other sectioned off area, like a private area. And currently there is uh, it's just a bunch of empty seats except for one. And there's a figure in one of those seats that almost makes you do a double take. Just because you're, for a second, you're not sure what you're looking at. It, it almost looks like, it almost looks like a dwarf with all of their blood sucked out of them and yet hairless. And what you realize is that it is a hairless dwarf, but ancient, anciently old, so old and so wrinkly that it almost doesn't look like a person anymore. And despite the, the old age, very crystalline blue eyes, I mean, sharp, piercing eyes that clearly see you. And this creature of whatever it is, if that is, is surrounded. There's a couple uh, ladies on either side of him. And there's also two more of those big burly guards. And uh, he seems to pay attention to you or, or this thing, which you think is a male, hard to tell for sure, gazes over you and then moves past. Kate spends a, uh, just a, a minute or two longer taking all this in. This is, this is it. You know, he expected the, the outside of the broken mug to be it, but this time, this is it. He sees the framed cloth, what he came for. And he just takes a deep breath and, the, and inhales the, the smell of, of the cigar and here's the clanking of, of coins together, dice rolling on, on the table, spinning wheels. And then he decides he needs a drink. However, before he does that, he will he will stop and and look at the at at the dwarf, hairless dwarf as it, as it catches his gaze and he gives he gives the 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 man a kind of like a like a you know like a a poor salute forever like a you know a high kind of a salute and, now and that proceeds to the bar. Now that you've got a better look, you are pretty sure it's a male but it's still really hard to tell. Uh, you know, if you were a betting man, 60-40, maybe. Oh, okay. 
But whatever it is, we'll go with male for now. So, so we're going to say this is an androgynous dwarf. An androgynous dwarf gives you uh, like a slight nod of the head mm-hmm. in recognition. Uh, at that, the two burly men that are guarding him see this, so they turn and they look at you as well. Uh, they don't really really react to you, but clearly you now know they know that you're there. So you saddle yourself up to the bar, and there are actually halfling-sized stools. There are dwarf-sized stools, and there's human-sized stools. And then what you actually realize is that they're adjustable, that you can choose for the seat height to adjust. So you can easily climb on one of the shorter ones, and then it actually ratchets up so that you're setting sort of normal height to the bar. They've thought of everything here, Cade thinks to himself, is is he walks with a little bit of bounce in his step over towards that bar and and sits down on a stool and starts a cranking. <laughs> so there's a click, 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 as you uh, raise yourself up. Uh, one of the men that's, the, that's bartending comes over and uh, he says, yes, what will you have, sir? I would like a very nice, I would like a very nice mug of ale and I would like a shot of whiskey. Of course, sir. He turns and starts, you know, gathering the bottles to pour you your drinks. And almost like a like a ghostly whisper, you feel more than hear or see a form slot into a seat next to you. So you're almost startled when you turn and you see a, a lady sitting there. She's human. She's a few years past beautiful, but still very attractive. Maybe a little bit too much makeup uh, covering some of the age and some of the wrinkles. Well-dressed has uh, not a gaudy amount of rings and jewelry, but but bordering on that. And actually, go ahead and give me a perception check. Uh, 19. You can tell that not all of it, but definitely some of it's costume jewelry. It's not all true wealth. Cade being someone who's naturally calm and cool will s- suppress the surprise of seeing her there and and flash her a smile. Good evening. She'll hold out her hand to you almost like a southern lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which he will smoothly take and and kiss appropriately. She sort of teehees a little bit. She's like, why, you are new in town, sir. May I ask your name? Cade Thorngage. And who would a beauty such as you be? Why, folks around here just call me Shelley. A marvelous name. Why, why thank you. It, it fits being this close to the, the shore. So I know I have not seen you in this establishment before, sir. Are you new in town? Yes, my ship just docked this morning. Your ship? My, am I talking to a captain? I'm sort of in between ships right now. But no, it was a uh, a hired charter. What, between ships? Now, sir, that sounds like a story Shelley would like to hear. Roll me an insight check. Uh, Fifteen. You are pretty sure that Shelley could give a squat about your background. She is definitely trying to set you up and distract you. And that's why you're not as surprised when you turn back around as your drinks are served to see that two men have now sat on either side of you, basically taking the two stools to your left. So as you turn back around, you see that Shelley's actually actually taken the mug that you had ordered and pulled it over to herself. And she kind of looks at you slyly when she does. He'll he'll flash her a playful grin as, as he files that uh, the the information about the the two new guests off files that away. It it will certainly be important later. So uh, she 
picks up her mug and she gestures for you to pick up the, the shot of whiskey. He does. And so what shall we toast to? How about to ships and captains? And beautiful women. Oh, of course. She'll clink glasses with mm-hmm. you. Um, and then <laughs> she'll take not a womanly sip. It's more like a gulp. But, mm-hmm. you know. And, and he will uh, take a, not down the shot, um, but take a take about half of it since he's, you know, without another drink. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you guys converse for a few minutes more. Mm-hmm. Uh, she continues to be very engaging. She continues to sort of touch you. Like she's, she's clearly making excuses to put her hand on your shoulder and, and shake you a little bit. And, you know, maybe a couple of times she'll almost pull you closer a little bit, very teasingly as she finishes uh, your ale. And, She's not affecting that she's drunk, but she's definitely talking a little louder. You're not sure if this is the an act or if she really did drink an entire ale, but she definitely puts her hand on your shoulder, and it's not like she's shaking you, but she's just sort of rocking you a little bit. Roll me a perception. Actually, you'll have advantage, because I think we both know what's coming here. All right. Yay for advantage. That's a 23. <laughs> that will do it. So... Not surprising, you feel a hand or feel something starting to sort of move along your pouch. You're pretty sure that the guy next to you is about to take it. Cade will uh, kind of continue rocking with Shelly, and he is going to do his kind of build up some back and forth, and then he's going to swing his hand down, grab a hold of of the hand that is, is he feels it on the pouch, grab a hold of the man, and pull forward to try to yank him off the stool while maintaining his own position. Okay, uh, I will make that a, a strength check versus his dex, and uh, I'm actually I'm going to give him disadvantage rather than you advantage, because he's certainly not expecting it. So go ahead and roll your strength check. Uh, 14. Uh, score one for disadvantage. He did very, very poorly. So actually what happens is you you pull his hand almost around you and it causes his head to hit and smack the top of the bar loudly. And I mean, like loud enough for people that are playing games uh, across the way to stop. And even the bartenders sort of startle up as if they just now realized what's happening. And then you also see that in his hand, he has like a leather glove and there are small, tiny little uh, razor blades that are affixed to the fingers. Uh, you would recognize this to what's probably one you've used it yourself or may even have on you in your pouch. I would either confirm nor deny that. <laughs> but it's specifically designed to cut the bottom of a coin purse and empty the, the contents without actually having to remove the pouch. Huh. How'd that happen? If he looks down to the guy and then back to Shelly. Uh, Shelly now has the mug of ale that's empty, raised high above her head. And she's about to bring it down on yours. Let's see if the bar lives up to its name. What is your armor class? 14. You are whacked, sir. This is an improvised weapon. Damn it. I'm going to say that she actually has some skill with it. You know, she's probably done this. Oh, I'm sure this is not the first person she's broken a mug over their head. (laughs) So you take three points of damage as this this, uh, mug cracks you right in the forehead Top of your nose, you hear a crack and blood starts to seep out. She has broken your nose. Oh, God. Is he, is he uh, nearly loses his balance on the stool, but he grab, kind of grabs a hold, hold of the lip of the bar to steady himself, and he looks back over her 
and whips the the contents of his glass his of his whiskey into her face. All right. At this point, we'll go ahead and go into initiative because there's some stuff that's about to happen. Um, I'm gonna have them go in two orders. All right. All right, so you are first, then the cut purses, and then Shelly. So what would you like to do? At this point, you're actually taking actions. He'll he'll um, kind of roll backwards off the bar um, with uh, an athletic grace and, and land on his feet with his, as he wipes the, uh, the the blood off of his nose, and uh, he he'll continue his movement and uh, slide backward, kind of you know do a little run and slide under one of the tables um, try to pop out the other side. So like a table where people are sitting and having drinks yes, or the yes. bar where they're like the gambling? No, no. Is there, he's still in a bar area, so they're yes. sitting, sitting having a drink. Okay, so basically, are you going to try like hide? So do you need to like roll your hide check to try to disappear? No, no, I'm not going to disappear. Nuh-uh. Okay. I mean, that would be the, the tactically sound thing to do, but... <laughs> <laughs> but no, that he he's I got a plan here and, and he needs to be seen. All right, well I start now. All right, so yeah, so you're able you, you can get away. There none of them are really in any any position to attack you, so I'm not gonna worry about attacks of opportunity from leaving squares. Uh they're both just you know, Shelly's got a drink in her face, that guy's still got a whelp on his head. The other guy who was the accomplice just now figuring out what's happening, he stands up looking dumbfounded. You slide under the table and both of those actually give me a higher low. Oh, we'll go low. Why not? So as you slide under the table, both of the patrons that were sitting there, you know, they jump up startled and they sort of spill their drinks, you know, over each other's shoulders. They back into other patrons in the bar and you can clearly start to hear some people going like, hey, what's the big deal? What's going on? Why'd you do that? You threw your drink in my face. And we're not like in a bar brawl or anything, but the level of energy in the tavern has risen significantly in the last couple of seconds. All right. It is now their turn. And really, they're not going to actively act right now. Uh, you get the feeling that you were fair game, maybe because you were new, but no one, like not everyone in the bar is going to try to attack you. Mm-hmm. So everyone's just kind of looking around at Shelly and her two goons. And so basically their actions just going to be kind of standing there looking dumb. So it's back to you. Yeah, I got that drink glass in my hand. I'm just going to chuck it. <laughs> All right, at who? Someone. Okay. And first I'll use my bonus action because I can't, being a rogue, I can and hide. I'm, I'm going to just hide and attack from not being seen. Okay, so are is you... Is my uh, hope. I'm okay. not sneak attacking. Um, no, uh, but to clarify, are you throwing it just like at a random bar patron to try to continue to build this? Oh, awesome? absolutely. Okay. I didn't know if you meant the two goons or Shelly. No, no, no. <laughs> My, I want to. I want to get this place a rocking. <laughs> okay, so not even gonna make you roll for that. Just give me a high or low. We'll keep going low because why not? <laughs> All right, luck is with you, my friend. So yeah, you just pick someone out of the crowd that's still sitting out. Maybe someone that hasn't actually reacted yet. And so they're completely unaware as this small shot glass catches them square in the nose, pretty much right where yours was. And it actually sticks. Like this person has kind of a bulbous <laughs> nose and it just pops right on there, cuts. There's like a circular cut right between the eyes where it just, you know, that thin bleeding. This dude stands up, flips the table. What the and he just sort of like screams looking for someone to blame for this. Uh, I'm going to have him roll perception versus your hide. 
to see if he sees if it was you or not. Can I, uh, I, I want to point out, I almost want to jump at this point and point to somebody. Okay. So rather than hiding, yeah. you want to try to like yeah, trick I, him. I want to, I want to, I, I don't know if bluff or deception is right on this. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's do deception versus his, um, I guess, in, uh, insight. She did it. He points to Shelly. Okay. And uh, he looks over and Shelly still has like, you know, uh, ale on her face. I'm going to give you disadvantage on that because there were better targets. Mm-hmm. So roll your do, what do you deception. Think? Let's do deception. All right. A, a 14 and a 16. So a 14. Okay. Uh, either would have been good enough. He actually, I, will get, I gave him a couple negatives just because of all the stuff that's happening. Plus, this is really fun. Um, so he looks over and he goes, Shelly, what the, what's the meaning of this? And he just starts like, crawling through the bars, just pushing tables out of the way, pushing other patrons out of the way. You hear them start to go, hey, what's going on? And her two goons move in front of Shelly as if to protect them. And he just like hauls off like he's getting ready to deck one of them. We have a bar fight. Kato smile is, <laughs> and uh, kind of can't help but resist. He kind of does the whole little like uh, maestro conducting mo- hand motion for a minute and rubs his hands together because now's the time to strike. Yes, so... Some of the people are coming to Shelley's aid. Some other people are still confused. So it's not, again, it's not a full-on Western tavern bar brawl yet. But people are pushing each other. People are calling each other names. No one really seems to be focused on you at the moment. You were kind of awash. You're in the calm in the middle of this violent sea of erupting anger. What are you doing? Well, no reason not to add more fuel, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll jump up onto a table and start jumping table to table, making my way to the bar. And of course, I'm kicking over drinks as I'm doing this. Why not? <laughs> okay. So, um, again, I'm not going to make you roll for mm-hmm. that. It's, it's definitely, I mean, what's your dexterity, like 16 or something? I'm 17. Seven, perfect. So you jump up there, definitely. You're kicking, you know, food in people's faces, drinks in people's faces, jumping table to table. Anyone who's not already agitated is now agitated. The difference is, is it's focused on you. Uh, but they're having to go through other people, mm-hmm. so you are. We are on the cusp of a full-out bar brawl. We need we need one more instigation to just completely ignite the place. Oh, uh, okay. Is, is, is did I make it to the bar? Yes, you are on top of the bar at the moment. Uh, the 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 bruiser that you hit with a glass is in the middle. Of, he's actually fighting. I'm not going to do all the rolls, but mm-hmm. him and the two goons are. More fisticuffs, no weapons are out yet, but they're like brawling and, you know, headlocks and punches to the gut. And Shelly's taken several steps back and then she turns and sees you. And the, that mask of Southern courtesy and the beauty is gone. And she is looking at you like like a hag. Just she wants your soul. Oh, ouch. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I can't deal with her right now. All right. So you're looking over at Shelly. You turn and look, trying to figure out you know, how you're going to be able to get to where you're going. And one of the bartenders, again, the big beefy guy, it, you know, basically just sort of points at you and he starts walking towards you like, hey, get off the bar. I'll take a, I'll take advantage of that and uh, start to to run at him. He's in the direction of the painting, right? I mean, as because you're kind of in the center. So mm-hmm. as he's coming towards is you. He coming, is the painting on my left or the right? In, in my mind, you're more to the left of the bar. Okay. It's in the center. He's coming from the right. So as he comes towards you, he's going to sort of pass in front of the middle. Great. I'm going to wait till he gets gets right up at me, right where, you know, almost at a point that he's underneath the painting. And 
I'm just going to run and kind of jump and and land on his arm and keep running, like run up his arm <laughs> and and jump off of his head up to grab the, the painting. Okay. I will need one of your story points for that. So basically your hero tokens. Mm-hmm. That's totally worth a hero token. Perfect. All right. So yeah, so that's literally you, you jump on his outstretched hand and you just run up his arm and then you jump since you use the hero token. I'll just count it. You jump all the way up and you've latched onto the top of this frame. Now, this is the part where you may not have, you may have miscalculated a little bit, is that it, it just stays there. You're now like attached, hanging there on the wall. I have a look of momentary kind of like panic, like, oh shit, on his face. Uh, kind of tug on it, tug on it and, and look behind it. Um, it. How's this attached to the wall? It actually appears to be almost like it was uh, glued, like the entire back. And as you're trying to look, it slowly starts to peel away. So you're now sort of leaning backwards towards the bar. Uh, and that is when you notice that Shelly has pulled a dagger from somewhere within her cloak and she's going to throw it at you. Oh, this is going to hurt. <laughs> her dagger sticks into the back of your leg for three more points of damage. So you now have a dagger in the, your right hamstring. Ouch! And the frame continues to to pull loose and then right about that moment it completely completely comes free and you actually start to fall backwards i will try to land on my feet actually what happened to the uh what happened to the to the barman did did he move at all (laughs) well yeah actually he he probably would have turned and he's now probably reaching up as if to grab you are Uh, you gonna run down his fucking arms yeah i am all right i need a token for that that's worth it all right so how many you got left one all right, so, 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 okay. So, yeah, so you basically turn. Kind of hobble down the arm, you know, with the, yeah. the broken leg. It's, it's, or it's, the not quite, leg. Yeah, it's not quite as smooth as the first time. But you manage to run down his arm, land back on the bar. You now have this framed piece of cloth in your hands. Both bartenders are getting ready to converge on you. Shelly is also coming towards you. The entire bar area is just alight with fighting. And it actually looks like it may have spilled over into the gambling area. It's possible some people have taken advantage of this distraction. Maybe they try to steal something because there's fighting over there now, too. What do you want to do? Is Shelly, is, is, she, is she within striking distance? She's up against the edge of the bar, but further down it, conversely, also closer to the hallway. Okay, I'm going to run her away. Okay, so you're going to start running toward her? Yeah. All right. Her eyes get kind of wide as you run right at her, and it looks like she's fumbling for another dagger somewhere in the folds of her dress. Well, when I get there, I'm just going to smash the frame. I'm going to smash the frame over her head. Okay, give me an attack roll. Uh, 14. That'll do it. So you bring this thing up over your head, straight down on hers. The, The glass just shatters. And you can, I mean, you can see that some of the glasses embedded in her face. She's, she's going to need more makeup tomorrow than she needed today. <laughs> and this, this strip of cloth that you've been after so long is just sitting there all for the taking. I'm going to grab it and head towards the door. <laughs> all right. I'll pull the knife out of my leg as I do. So you pull the knife free. You drop it. You're uh, trailing a, a, a line of blood behind you as you half run, half hobble down this hallway towards the door that has... All these locks on the backside of it. And there's also a very large former gladiator standing there. He was now turned at this commotion. Sees you running from something, bleeding, carrying this strip of cloth. He draws his sword and he holds it in front of you. 
I instead of reaching for my weapon, pull the bag from my waist and kind of kind of hold it up as to say, "Yeah." <laughs> so you actually see his eyes go from you to the bag that you're holding, and then he goes and he's now looking over your shoulder, and he almost goes limp. Like you see, like fear in his eyes, and he actually drops his weapon, like not to the ground, but like drops his stance so that it's not pointed up anymore. Well, I, I'll look back over my shoulder um, with uh, a, a look of like, uh, this can't be good. <laughs> so you look over your shoulder, and what you see is that dwarf figure that you saw earlier, his two guards that are with him, and he just starts clapping. And that is where we will end your scene. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the Drive-Thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.